1: Welcome to this episode of the 9420 Podcast, where we talk about the music that we love and the industry that we tolerate.
2: Some days I'm the temptations, Papa was a rolling stone. Some days I'm Tom Petty, can't help but free falling. Some nights I'm Tim McGraw, live like you would die in a JT Carolina in my mind. It's song- all A song.
1: Hey, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the 9420 Podcast. That was Mixtape by Gabrielle Metz. Hi, Carl and Greg. How are you guys doing?
3: Hello, Nicole. Hello, Carl.
4: Hello, Greg. Hello, Nicole.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm so interested to, uh, to like know if like the younger audience we have even knows what a mixtape is.
4: Well, she's young. That's what amazed me at this whole thing. She's like in her y- early 20s.
1: But she's referencing people from like the I'm 80s saying,
4: and like, 90s. More, like-, like. like, you know, like what we were talking about last week. Does anyone have a mixtape with Bad Bunny? Or like. <laughs>
3: <laughs> there you go.
4: Probably do. Go. But yeah, it's, it's funny. It's- I-, I did what you said, Greg. I went to um, Spotify and they have this playlist, you know, the top 50 streams ever. Right. I knew two.
3: It's, it's incredible.
4: Well, cause, but then but then again it makes sense to me because bands from our generation like Zeppelin Bowie whatever mm-hmm. are those people aren't streaming people per se you know they listen to music different ways young people listen to like their music streaming so it makes sense that the most streamed music is, is the newest music
3: don't you think well but uh, I I do think that uh, you know We've got a fair representation of, stu- of catalog stuff. Catalog stuff does well on streams. It's just you've got, I guess you've got ramp up, so to speak, of people 50 plus that would listen to classic catalog that are just now experimenting with streaming. And, and I, th- I think you're right. I think those people, I think the 50 plus crowd that's still engaged by music, they probably got a couple hundred CDs at home. And they're probably listening on CD or iPod for that matter. I
4: think it's hit single mentality because like – all the yeah. people who listen listening to the Zeppelin and stuff like that aren't listening to a whole lot of love over and over again. Cause it's a new cool song where young people, yeah. when, when, when what's his name, bad bunny, whoever comes out with their <laughs> single, they play it over and over, and over again. And, and so a billion it's, streams might, might be like only 5 million people. You know what I mean?
1: Well, cause they're, they're, it's almost meditative for them. Like that younger generation almost latches on to certain things. And for them, they don't get bored with it. Like, but for us we want variety, we want some different things at different times. So
3: I think the industry has always been kind of agnostic when it comes to how people listen and how and what people will purchase, you know. I remember when I heard this song, this mixtape song, I thought to myself well, mixtapes were a huge part of my, you know, younger life as far as being a, a music consumer and obsessed with music. We made mixtapes, hundreds of them, you know, and it was it was a cool thing to do when you could buy high quality. Uh, I always used to two Maxell tape. Yeah. And so when we made these tapes, you know, we were basically pulling from a different format. We were pulling from our albums and going from album to cassette. But I remembered back in the early 90s, Tower Records in Manhattan, I had never been there and I went there on a trip and I saw this thing. I don't know if you remember this, Carl, but it was basically a station inside of Tower Records and it was called Personics. They would basically make a mixtape for you in the record store and you could choose from hundreds of tracks out of the disc log. It was like, I I was so thrilled with that because, you know, there were albums I didn't have that I couldn't add to my mixtape. So I could literally go to the record store and make a mixtape of exactly what I wanted. This was the early nineties. I mean, I guess it failed miserably because there aren't people that want to go to that trouble that they're that enthused about music, you know?
1: And for me, it was like the progression of mixtapes, like holding it up to the radio, like waiting for it to start, then stopping it at the right time and, you know, doing it for the next song that I want. And then once CDs came out, it got a little bit easier because it was all digital.
3: This technology and these formats, it moves so fast. I, I, I saw a meme this morning where they were asking this young person different phrases and what they meant. And, you know, it's one of those memes that's designed to make light of the idea that, you know, they haven't kept up. They asked this young person, uh, what what does it mean to burn a CD? And she didn't know. She did not know the terminology Gosh, The the I CD. spent
1: in my intempered youth burning CDs for people from like the Napster <laughs> digital, right. like illegal downloads we did.
4: The only thing I'd be burned was, was demos of my Blonde stuff to send wire. out. I would never, I don't, yeah, I could never be bothered burning other records. Another thing too, I just, I had nothing to watch the other day, so I still have Disney Plus, which I got to get rid of because it's, other than the Beatles Get Back, there's nothing else on Disney Plus I care to watch.
1: Oh, you don't want to watch Mickey Mouse Clubhouse or Mickey Mouse Funhouse or Mickey Mouse Roadster Racers or anything like I that? I like all the I'm
3: classic
4: a Marvel stuff. guy, so I don't care, but. So I'm watching the Beatle thing again, and now in, in I haven't watched it since it first came out almost a year ago. So started watching it again, and now on second viewing, McCartney is like a dick. <laughs> <laughs> he's really he's like I watch him like Harrison's talking to him, and he's he's dismissive and just looking at him, going yeah 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 right. And Lennon's like just just looking at not really caring what what you know, and like Ringo's just waiting to play the drums.
3: I did I did get the impression after watching it that. That Ringo had this really cool maturity. I did get that. He just seemed patient and mature, and it's like, all right, I'll let you guys go, and I'll be here when you need me. You know,
4: he was just happy to be where he was. He was in the Beatles, right. you know. What I mean? So, and he <laughs> yeah. did a great job. But then again, and I'm, I'm revisiting him. You know, like some of the drum things he did. He was
3: pretty cool. Oh yeah, man. No, they're super tasty, super tasty. Yeah, very, very musical. Hey, by the way, we were supposed to did you guys do your homework? Did you come up with your perfect I album? I couldn't
1: figure it out. That
3: we we're going to talk about this week. Everybody was supposed to bring you and Greg their perfect about album, the ten,
1: like the bands who've made 10 really good albums and then we put out the the thing about well, who's like what's the one perfect album?
3: There, there's a lot of perfect albums i thought of about 30 i thought it was interesting that i couldn't quit thinking about perfect albums and i and so i think maybe we'll do another show where let's bring 20 to the table and we'll, we'll just talk about all these records is there and an area that, era that we need to
1: hone in, in on because that's kind of where i got lost in it
3: i think that's the point is that you know i think there are perfect albums hundreds uh and they're across genres and I don't even know what the parameters should be. I mean, I was thinking it should probably have a hit on it, or two, or three. And then I got sidetracked because there are albums that have two or three extraordinary tracks, but then the rest of the album kind of doesn't stand up. I found that about the Heart record. You know, uh Barracuda and Crazy On You are two extraordinary tracks, but the rest of the record I don't think holds up.
4: Records for me like that I could play the whole record and love it is like Hunky Dory. I love the whole record. Yeah. Ziggy Stars love the whole record. That's I can play the record. whole Jackson Brown saturate before great using record. album. I love that record. Shot on your crazy diamond. I love that. that album.
3: Yeah, that's a great, that's a great track. I think a perfect album is, we're going to go ahead and talk about it. Uh I think a perfect album is uh Bruce Springsteen's darkness on the edge of town. Now that, doesn't have a hit on it, but I don't think it matters think if it has a hit record. on it. Though perfect
1: I mean, record. if you can listen through the entire thing and think that it's amazing, that probably is a perfect album to you. Now people are going to disagree with you, but
3: I think that uh, you don't mess around with Jim Jim Croce. Okay, so fun fact, album.
1: fun That's fact, got three. Well, hits I didn't even on know it. who Jim Croce was. But Greg, have you ever been to the Maple Street Biscuit Company?
3: Uh, Not yet.
1: Okay. So one of the things that they do is each week they have a question that they ask you. And instead of saying your name to pick up your order, it's the answer to your question. (laughs) <laughs> so the, the the question one day when my little brother was visiting was, what's your favorite song? And he said, well, instead of a favorite song, I'm going to tell you it's my favorite artist that I love to listen to on a road trip is Jim Croce. And I had no idea who that was. And the entire weekend, he just put it on Spotify and we listened to it. And he's fantastic. And I didn't even know who he was.
3: It's absolutely incredible. And I worked with a person that used to work with him as a music publisher. So I got to hear all the insider stories associated with Jim and and his work product and, and uh, what it was like to work with him. He died early in a plane crash, but a pretty extraordinary record. It's got a bunch of hits on it.
4: Time in a Bottle was incredible. Operator, was that him?
3: Yep. Those are both on that record.
4: And it was cool. Yeah. I never I never liked Leroy Brown and that stuff. It's cool and stuff, mm-hmm. but I Oh, I this.
1: loved Leroy Brown. That's <laughs> yeah, how I that's it's a fun well, when when we started listening to it and know, he put Leroy Brown on.
4: I, I had it, a good song, you know, talk on Superman's Cape, I get it. Cool. Yeah,
1: Leroy Brown's the one that I recognize because my grandmother had a jukebox in her basement. And like that's one of the records that we would go downstairs and when the parents were upstairs and the kids were downstairs, we would, we would play the jukebox and that Leroy Brown was on it.
4: But why is it that always the most famous songs are the stupidest? And, 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 and why <laughs>
1: Probably is, Because they're the easiest to like, access, especially the public. Most
4: loves artists, them. their really great songs are usually their deeper cuts. You know, like, you know, you, most right. people are famous for like, like Rod Stewart's famous for Do You Think I'm Sexy?
3: Yeah.
4: <laughs> but like, he has some really good songs.
3: I recently saw something on the Rolling Stones and somebody had said, oh, they were talking about a particular song and they said, well, that's You're My ding do you remember the uh, hit that um, is it Chuck Berry Chuck Berry had called My Dingling. It was like his most popular song. He was the architect of rock and roll this exactly. <laughs> And this My little Ding-a-ling parody song. This little parody song becomes it. huge, you know?
4: So I don't know what that means.
1: Well, why don't we get to know our artist of the week, which is Gabrielle Metz and her latest single, Masks, and also get to know her management company, Publicity Nation PR.
4: Let's do that.
1: This episode features an artist from Publicity Nation PR. Publicity Nation PR is a music, entertainment, and lifestyle public relations and artist development agency based in Nashville, Tennessee. They are an industry leader in music and entertainment publicity, artist development, branding, and commercial projects for artists, entertainers, entrepreneurs, and social influencers. Their drive, dedication, and exemplary work ethic leads the way to their client success. For more information, go to publicitynation.com. Again, that is publicitynation.com.
2: All my life I've been hiding behind the same smile Wouldn't let nobody in Cause nobody's innocent I've been running for myself Cause I've got all these secrets that I'm not sure I should tell I'll take off this mask for you I'll let you break down these walls, just catch me if I fall That you want to ask I'll take off this mask for you All my life I've pushed people away I never thought I'd find someone man My-
1: So that was Gabriel Metz's uh, single "Masks." Um, I think the reason I like it is I'm rewatching a series called "Pretty Little Liars," and this would actually probably be one of the songs I would want to put into it now, even though the series is probably about five or six years old. So, <laughs> like he, listening to it, I could see it in a couple of the episodes. Every sometimes time I
3: they rescore those. We should send it anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I like it's a very original melody. I like I love the melody.
4: I agree with the idea. I think we're all walking around with masks on.
1: Well, whether we think about it or not, I mean, there are certain situations where we probably just don't even realize we slip into those masks because it's been like years or decades or since birth that we've used them. So to us, it just feels normal, but it is actually a mask. So
4: So what are we doing here?
1: Well, we spoke to our artist of the week, Gabrielle. Do we want to get to know her in our questions of the week? All right, so the first question that we asked Gabrielle is tell us a little bit about yourself.
5: Hi, my name is Gabrielle Metz. I am a country music artist based in Nashville, Tennessee. My latest single mixtape just dropped July 29th, and the music video is also out now. Short, sweet, to the point. Well, now that's very interesting that
3: that she says she identifies as a country music artist because I didn't think either of those songs were remotely country, but that's a good thing. So, Gabrielle, keep it up.
4: Why is that a good thing?
3: Uh, because I think that people need to move the needle on what country is, and so it it doesn't necessarily have to sound like Patsy Cline or uh, the Dixie Chicks, you know?
1: All right, so the next question that we asked Gabrielle is, what music artists have influenced your career so far?
5: My music career has been inspired by so many artists, and that's actually the The point of my latest song mixtape is just the amount of artists and writers and musicians that have influenced my life and my music and um, I grew up listening to to everything from classic rock to R&B and Motown to top 40 in country music, I listen to just about anything. So um, my career was really inspired by songwriters like Alicia Keys and more recently Ingrid Andrus and Kelsey Ballerini, as well as artists like Carrie Underwood and Taylor Swift. Um, but I've always loved really awesome female artists. That's who's always kind of, that's who's always influenced my career and my music. The
3: most. Did we ask her the industry question?
1: So we have one more question that Gabrielle answered and it's, if you could change one thing in the music industry, what would it be?
5: Uh, If there was one thing I could change about the music industry, it would definitely be the amount of competition and just competitiveness that is ingrained in the business. I think sometimes we kind of get pigeonholed or kind of get these blinders on and we think that there's only so many spots um, for all of us. And if there was anything I'd change, it would be that. I think just... Kind of expanding the level of camaraderie between artists and not making it such a competition and just pit it against one another, especially on the female side of things in country music.
1: But females in general are so much more competitive than men. I feel like so, like you'd almost have to inherently change the way that we think and do things. I, I think in terms to get to what she would want.
4: I think competition is good for some to some
3: degree. There I needs
1: think. to be competition because that can be motivation, right?
3: I think it's kind of a red herring though. I think the competition as far as female voices in country music are concerned, it's kind of born of this idea that radio has this myth that listeners don't want to hear too many female voices on the radio station back to back, you know? And so it's like radio is pretty irrelevant everywhere, but country music. So, why don't we just assume that they're not very relevant in that and people quit trying to pigeonhole female voices and uh, let people do what they're going to do.
4: Okay. So, um, so anyway, so are we done? What do you want to do? I think we're done.
1: All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the 9420 podcast. For everything that we spoke about during the show, you can go to our website, which is 9420.com. That is the numbers 94 and the letters T-W-E-N-T-Y. Until next time, we'll talk to y'all later.